My name is John. I'm one of the pastors here at Anderson Hills. I'm so honored to get to share God's word with you today. Uh, we are in this message series where we're talking about the fact that God is with us, just like Audrey just sang, that the Son of God is in our midst. Uh, we're looking in this series at a, at a verse uh, from the book of Matthew chapter 1, uh, which says this. It says, look, a virgin will conceive and will give uh, conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. That's the whole theme of the season, that God is with us. And we've talked about uh, last week how God wants to dwell in our hearts, that in as followers of Jesus, that we can experience him even closer than the disciples experienced because we now have the power of the Holy Spirit in us when we give ourselves to Jesus. The week before, we talked about how God meets us in the valley. Valleys are places where we're going along and life seems fine and then, boom, something happens. And suddenly we find ourselves in a very, very difficult place. And we talked about how God walks with us in those places as well. Today, we're talking about the fact that God is with us in the wilderness. Now, wilderness and valley may seem similar, and there are some similarities, but the difference in how we're using these is that a wilderness would refer to a more extended time. may not be such a one, like, crisis moment kind of thing, but it's a more extended time of challenge. Oftentimes, times in the wilderness follow times when we've been kind of on the mountaintop. And things have been going really well. Like think about Jesus. He began his earthly ministry um, when he was baptized in the Jordan by John. And at that moment, God speaks audibly for the people to hear. The God the Father speaks and says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And the spirit descends physically in the form of a dove on him. Like this is a big, big moment. You got the whole trinity right here. Like it's, it's on, you know. And then what happens to Jesus? Very next verse, he goes into the wilderness. Forty days, forty nights, all by himself, tempted by the devil in a very, very difficult place. That he went from like mountaintop to wilderness overnight. We see a number of wilderness experiences in the Bible. We see the people of Israel wandering in the wilderness before they make it to the promised land. Uh, we see uh, well, we're talking just a little bit about Elijah and his time in the wilderness. So if you've come in here this morning and you feel like you're in some wilderness, friend, know that you're in a place where many folks in the Bible were at. And God met them in the wilderness, and I know that God wants to meet you too in the wilderness. Maybe you're in a wilderness of, a, maybe, maybe you're a parent and you've got young kids and you are just, you're striving, you're working so hard and you're like, I am always sleep deprived. I miss adult conversation. I miss being around humans who could go to the bathroom without my assistance in some form. I'm losing my mind here, right? I just, I feel like I, I pray, but I'm so distracted and so tired, and I, I just, I feel like I'm in a spiritual, like, kind of dead zone right now, and, and boy, I'm struggling. Or maybe you have teenagers, you're like, gosh, we, we've, we tried to raise them well, and some of the stuff they're doing is not how we raise them, and we're just, we really feel in a wilderness. Or maybe you're in a place where you've been financially, you've been uh, saving and trying to get ahead, and it just seems like the hits just keep on coming, and you're trying to do the right things, but you just can't get over the hump. I remember a number of years ago, Jennifer and I, we were in this position, and 
uh, the, the car broke down. Like, oh, there's another expense, right? And so I was fixing it that weekend in the garage trying to save some money. And she comes out, and uh, one of our kids, who I don't need to name, she said, this child just inserted a popcorn kernel into his or her ear, and I can't get it out. We got to go to the ER. I'm like, the ER? Do you know how much that costs? Where's my shop back? I can... I can fix that. If it weren't for her, we'd probably have a half-dead child to this day, right? A deaf child to this day, yikes. So, you know, maybe you're in one of those positions, right? Or, or maybe you're, uh, you're dating somebody and you want to get married and they just, they're just kind of playing video games and hanging out and you're like, you know, are we going to go anywhere with this? Or is this, what is, is this meaningful? Or maybe whatever it is for you, maybe you're in this place of need, you're in the wilderness, and it's a really difficult place to, to be. Well, friend, God wants to meet you here today because, you know, your deepest need becomes a gift, in fact. Your deepest need becomes a gift when it drives you to depend on God. So if you're here and you're feeling some need and you're like, I don't see the point in this. I'm just struggling, and I, and I, I wish it would just go away. I wish I was just out of this season of the wilderness. What if not even saying God caused it, but what if God wanted to use this time to draw you closer to himself? What if God could do that? What if God could meet you in the midst of this wilderness right where you're at today and would draw you in? I believe that he does that. I want to tell you about Elijah. Elijah is a prophet in the Old Testament, which means it was his job to share God's word with the people. They, they would listen to him and hear what God had to say. It was a challenging time to be a prophet because in those days, the king was a guy named Ahab, and his wife was Queen Jezebel. Jezebel uh, worshipped false gods, uh, one of them named Baal. Baal, they believed to be the rain god, which since the Israelites were a farming people, they had this thing for rain and the rain god, right? So they'd often try to kind of put the two together, like, well, we could worship the one true god and maybe kind of, you know, a little insurance policy over here with Baal, too. We could pray to him, too, because we need the rain, and that would be nice. And, and of course, God's not having that because it says you should have no other gods before me, right? So we've got this problem here. And Elijah says, he, he prophesies, and he says, the Lord has told me that it's not going to rain for two or three years. You think you're worshiping the rain god? I'll show you how powerless the rain god is, okay? <laughs> Two to three years, no rain whatsoever. And that's exactly what happened. So it's not a good time in Israel. It's drought, it's famine, people are suffering. Elijah's like kind of hidden away and the Lord brings him food like, like the birds bring him food every day, right? It's this supernatural thing going on. And, and Elijah's there and finally God calls him to this challenge with the prophets of Baal where they meet on Mount Carmel. And it's one of these amazing stories in the Bible where you've got all the prophets of Baal and you've got Elijah. And we're going to have a showdown here, right? We're going to decide today who is God and who is not. And how we're going to do that is they're each going to offer a sacrifice. And whoever the real God is, this God is going to respond by sending fire from heaven and lighten this thing up, okay? That's a pretty clear-cut indicator that you're God when you can do something like that. So the prophets of Baal, they go first, and they make the sacrifice, and they, they dance around, and they pray, and all their things, and they're going on for hours and hours, and it's just getting pathetic and desperate, and no fire. Why? Because Baal's fake. He's not real. He can't make fire. Finally, at the end of the day, Elijah, he, he goes, he offers a sacrifice, he offers a simple prayer to God, and 
bam, fire falls from heaven. And the sacrifice is consumed. And the altar is consumed. And he had even dumped water on this thing ahead of time. And the water is consumed, right? This is an incredible supernatural thing. Then Elijah, he goes and he kills the prophets of Baal. Like, we're done with this. We're not worshiping this anymore. Like, we're, this is finished, right? And then he begins to pray for rain and no clouds. And he prays again and back and forth, back and forth. And finally they see this little tiny cloud like the size of a fist up in the sky. He's like, that's it. It's going to rain. In fact, we better get back to the city quick because it's going to rain hard. So Ahab the king, he's pretty amazed at what's happened today. And he may not be a fan of Elijah, but he listens. And so he gets in his chariot and he's driving back with his horse-drawn chariot. And the Bible says that Elijah goes and he runs. And he runs in front of, Elijah, in front of the chariot, which is not normal, right? Imagine yourself driving home on Beachmont today, and you look over beside you, and there goes me, like, <laughs> I'm passing you. <laughs> that guy's not normal, right? Like, he's not doing that on his own strength. I'm sure of that, right? So, so he's ahead of the chariot. And then they get back, uh, and, and Ahab is telling uh, Queen Jezebel about all that's happened. We'll be in 1 Kings chapter 19 here today, where he says this. Ahab got home. He told Jezebel everything that Elijah had done, including the way he killed all the prophets of Baal. That's not going to go over well, by the way. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. May the gods strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you killed them. Ouch. Those are some fighting words right there. But to be fair, this is not the first threat from Queen Jezebel. This is not the first time she's gotten angry with, with Elijah. She doesn't like this guy. He's opposed to her prophets. He made him look stupid by withholding rain for two to three years. That's a big political problem right there. So, so she's not a fan. And so, of course, she doesn't like this. And so she makes this threat. Now, one would think that with Elijah having heard all this stuff before, he would just take this in stride. This is just kind of water on a duck's back, right? Wrong. He doesn't feel this way at all. In fact, he's really hurt by all of this. It says, um, Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Beersheba. That's the farthest south place in Israel, a town in Judah. And he left his servant there. Then one day, alone, or then he went on alone in the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. Wow. Think about how deep of a wilderness, how dark of a wilderness that must be. I mean, you are God's number one guy in the country here. You are God's prophet. You just, literally, you just called down fire from heaven, and then you destroyed your enemies. Like, you, if anybody should have faith today, it should be Elijah, for he has seen God work in amazing miracles, signs, and wonders. He has spoken, and it has happened. God has been faithful time and time again. And so he gets this threat from Queen Jezebel, and what does he say? I'm out. I've had it, God. You know, I've, all these things I've been doing for you, all this stuff, and here we go again, another threat. The queen wants to kill me. I, I've had it. I've had it. And maybe you're there in some way or another today. You're like, I have been trying to serve the Lord. I've been trying to do the right thing. I've been trying to lead my family well. I've been trying to do well in my job. I've been trying whatever it is, and I'm just getting nowhere. 
I feel like I'm in this place of wilderness and it hurts. I, I, I pray to God and I feel like my prayers are kind of bouncing back. I, I, I know I believe in God and I, and I want to follow him, but man, it's just, it's hard right now. Isn't there somebody else who could do this? Isn't there some, God, do you, if you call me, isn't there somebody else you can call? Like, isn't there a better option for you? Because right now I'm just struggling and I'm having a hard time and, and, I, and I'm just, I'm fed up and I'm tired. I'm tired of all of this. I'm spiritually exhausted. Exhausted. A Christian psychologist named Henry Cloud, he talks about times like this where we feel that we're just, so, we're just so spiritually exhausted. And he says oftentimes we misdiagnose the problem. And we misdiagnose like a spiritual exhaustion for a physical exhaustion. So we think that we need to just sleep, right? So the weekend comes and we, we sleep in, right? And we, then we kind of veg out and we, we binge watch some TV, right? And we eat our favorite junk foods and all these kind of things. And we get through the weekend, right? Like, I think I feel maybe a little better, right? Then we get back to Monday. And by noon on Monday, right back again, we're at the same place. Like, how long till the weekend? Oh, no, this is not going well. We've misdiagnosed a, a spiritual problem for a uh, a physical problem. And don't get me wrong, it's not bad to sleep and to take a nap. That may be a very spiritual thing for some of us to do. But when we try to address physical or spiritual needs with physical things, it, it doesn't work. What if, what if in the midst of the wilderness, God is drawing you close? What if he wants to speak to you? What if he wants some time with you in prayer, some time in his word, some time in worship, some time with your life group or your band or a mentor, just listening, say, God, what do you want to do in my life? Here I am. Would you, would you take me? Would you use me? Remember David in Psalm 23. He was, went through some difficult times too. He said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want, right? He makes me lie down. In green pastures, he, he leads me beside the peaceful streams. He restores my, renews my strength. He guides me along the right paths, bringing honor to his name. Sometime in the wilderness, it brings honor to his name. We, we go through these times, and so many characters in the Bible experience this. And if you are here, you are not alone. And God met David, and he gave him genuine peace and rest in the midst of that. And that's what God did for Elijah here as well. We jump forward to uh, about verse 9. Um, says, um, excuse me, I might have my wrong verse there. Thank you. Verse 5. Uh, then he lay down and he slept under the broom tree. As he was sleeping, an angel, angel touched him and told him, get up and eat. He looked around and there beside his head was some bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and laid down again. And this food, by the way, this is not normal food, right? Like this is when an angel is doing the cooking, it's kind of special stuff, right? And we're going to see that, right? This is a kind of a superfood. Some of you are like, I got to get some of this angelic stuff as my new pre-workout because just watch what's going to happen here. Then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, get up and eat some more. 
for the journey ahead will be too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank, and the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. And then he came to a cave where he spent the night. I told you it wasn't normal food, right? He eats, and then he goes on a 40-day and 40-night journey, right? That's not normal. Kind of like running in front of chariots, also not normal, right? Elijah is once again empowered in a, in a supernatural way. The angel comes back to him a second time and a third time. Why? Because when you're in the wilderness, friend, God keeps coming back to you. And maybe you're here today because God has come back to you again. And you've been in this wilderness for a while and you're like, I don't even know if God is speaking to me. And, and he is because he brought you here today. And he is because he's not giving up on you. And, and maybe the angel is tapping you again and saying, I'm here. I've got you. You're not alone in the midst of this. Here's some, some spiritual nourishment. Re read the word. Pray. Spend some time with me. Worship me. Even when you don't feel like it, just do this because I want to make an impact. I want to make a difference in your life. Sometimes we don't get it right the first time, but God doesn't give up on us. He continues to be there for us. Verse 9. But the Lord said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And hey, side note about prophets. Prophets get a little whiny sometimes too. If you ever feel whiny, prophets do as well, okay? Just, just saying. Here he goes. Elijah replied, I have zealously served the Lord Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. It's not fair. It's not right. What are you doing up there, God? Can I give you some feedback? Because here I am, I'm all alone, and they're trying to kill me too. Maybe you feel a little bit that way yourself. God tells him, go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord said. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by, and a mighty storm a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast, the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance to the cave. Wow. So God shows up in this incredible display of power, right? You've kind of got three things here first, right? First you've got earth, right? You've got the earthquake happens. The earth is shaking, but God is not in that earthquake. And then second, you, you get wind, right? The wind is blowing, and it's obnoxious and crazy, but God is not in the wind, right? And then third, you get this fire, right? And it's powerful fire, right? God is not in this fire, right? It shows up. You see these signs. You see the earth. You see the wind. You see the fire. You see the earth. You see the wind. You see the fire, you're a little slow on this today. Some of you <laughs> children of the 70s, God is showing up for you here in these verses, right? He's just giving you a little hug right now, like, I see you. Some of you are like Gen Z and millennial. You're like, why are the old people laughing? I don't get it. Well, 
It's okay, because all the people who are laughing, they, they will be dead before you. Most likely, <laughs> you'll have lots of time for your own jokes. It'll be just fine, right? But God shows up in these ways, in the earth and the wind and the fire. And, and we wonder, like, why is it that he wasn't in those things, but he's actually in a whisper? Of all the things, all the big power that we're talking here, why is why is God show up in this whisper? Why is it that when I'm in the midst of the wilderness that God whispers? I want power. Why a whisper? I'll tell you why. God whispers because he's close. And when you're close, you don't need to shout. You don't need to be obnoxious. You don't need all the big stuff. And if you, friend, are in the wilderness right now, God's right here. You may not have felt him. You may not have known it. But he is here. He is so close. He's closer than you can possibly imagine. And he may speak a little quietly because he's got you, because he loves you. He says, my child, I love you. I care about you. I know what's on your heart. I know what you've been going through. I know you're stri striving to follow my call, and it's been hard. I know maybe you're wanting some things, and you're waiting for some things, but it's tough. I know that you've been praying for things that aren't here, but I've got you. He whispers. He whispers. Friends, maybe God's been whispering all this time, and you've just been missing it a little bit. But you know... The devil, the devil shouts, the devil shouts his lies, right? But God whispers his truth. There may be a lot of shouting and a lot of lying around, but hear that whisper. Hear that quiet voice. And my prayer for you today is that you would hear that quiet voice. That as we seek the Lord together, that as we pray, as we, as we study his word, as we sing to him, that you would hear his whisper, I love you, I'm so proud of you, I've got you, you're my child, I've never left you, I've never forsaken you, I've never abandoned you, I'm here, you are not alone, you are not alone. You know, we see in, in the Psalms how God is here for us, closer than we could ever imagine. God says that, he's, says that the Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and he rescues those whose spirits are crushed. If you're here and your spirit feels a little crushed today, you feel a little overwhelmed, you feel tired, you feel exhausted, he's right here. He's got you. He's got you. Remember David, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He, he takes me through all these times. He, he leads me, even, through, even when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear, for you are here. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You may make a table before me in the presence of my enemies. My, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all of the days of my life, and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Friend, God is with you. He's got you. He's always been with you. And he knows you better than anybody else. Psalm 139 says it this way. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night. But even the darkness, even in the darkness, I cannot hide from you. To you, 
The night shines as bright as the day. Darkness and light are the same to you. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous, how well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was being woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. I cannot even count them. This is God's thoughts for you. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still there with me. Friends, God is so close to you. He was holding you before your mama was holding you. He's always had you, and he always will. Yeah, we go through the wilderness sometimes. Jesus did it. Elijah did it. Moses did it. If you're there, well, count yourself among some of the most faithful people in all of Scripture. And if you've had moments where you felt like quitting, (laughs) join the crowd. They get it. God's got you. He'll never leave you. He will never forsake you. We, We may enjoy him on the mountaintops, remember, but we get to know him intimately in the valleys. And we get to hear his whisper in the wilderness. We get to encounter his truth and his love and his grace. Friend, I just want you to know that the Lord is so close today. He hasn't left you thus far, and he's not going to do so now. He invites you to draw closer to him. He invites you, maybe it's to receive prayer. Maybe that's something today that you need to have somebody pray for you. Well, we're going to have prayer team members here who would love to pray for you. Maybe there's something that you need to come forward and give him. We'll have the altar open here in just a few minutes as we sing. Maybe you just need some time with him just to say, hey, would you meet me, God? Would you meet me in this place of wilderness? Or maybe you know somebody who's going through a wilderness, a friend or a family member, and and your heart is is breaking for them. Maybe you want to come forward and, and to pray for them. We would love to do that because we believe in a God who's with us on the mountaintop, He's with us in the valley, and he's with us out in the wilderness too. He truly is Emmanuel, God with us. How do we know this? Matthew chapter 1. Because the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Thank you, God, for the truth of your word. Thank you that you have never left us, that as we sang earlier, that we see the evidence of your goodness all over our lives. Lord, that we see how you have been faithful in the most difficult and dark of times. We see evidence of your your love and your grace, your compassion. Even in those times we were ready to give up, God, you never gave up on us. And Lord, I pray that you would just, right now, would you just overwhelm us with a sense of your presence? I pray that we would be able to hear your your gentle whisper. Maybe we've been wanting something bigger and you're just whispering quietly because you're so close. God, I pray that you would help us to know how close you are this day. Would we feel you there with us right now as like someone sitting right beside us? That this is our God the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of Elijah, the God of Moses, the God who has helped 
for generations, those who are in the wilderness. God, would you meet us today? Would you bring us through this time? And as we look forward to gathering at the manger next weekend, God, would you help us to be so aware of your presence right where we are? We'll come to your house soon, but I know you're here with us right now. Thank you, God, for your goodness and your grace. We love you, Lord, and we pray this all in Jesus' holy name. Amen.